It's hard to preach after that, isn't it? But God is faithful, and God's at work. And I'll tell you what, I, I, the, the political agena, uh, uh, arena can be a, uh, a vile, evil place. But God called us to shine light. Come on, somebody. Amen. And so we'll trust that, that God's uh, plan will be revealed. Uh, I think Jerry told Alyssa, he said, Alyssa, he, I just believe these are his words, that your gift makes room for you. So she's just there through the session, right? And then after that, but if, if, the, if, it, wasn't, if it was just the session, what an experience, right? Um, today, I want to ask you, you've been seated for a little while, and I don't have an opening text uh, today. I really believe that what I'm preaching is the continuation of what you were experiencing in the presence of God a few moments ago in worship. And so I, I started a series uh, three weeks ago today, so I've preached two, um, related to the kingdom of God. You remember, any of you remember that? Yeah, a few along the way. And um, we're going to continue this here today under this context. So I still would ask you, I know, please forgive me. Uh, Pastor Burton used to say it's our, um, our calisthenics, our Pentecostal calisthenics. If you'd stand up for us for just a moment of time before we pray. Today I want to talk to you once again about the kingdom of God. But I want to talk from this thought, advancing the kingdom in you. Advancing the kingdom in you. And I want you to let that really set in your heart here today. I don't think that the preaching of the word in any way takes away from a sovereign work of the Holy Spirit. I think if anything, we should say our hearts are more prepared now than they were just a few minutes ago, right, to, to receive the word of the Lord. And um, I just believe that, that God, God has begun a good work in you, Paul writes it, and he's faithful to complete that work. That, that kingdom, the kingdom that I've been ministering on, I'm just, when I say I've been ministering, I'm just, I'm echoing the words first of John the Baptist and then of Jesus and then the apostolic leaders uh, that the kingdom of God has come. It's here now. It's growing. And uh, it's going to advance in you. Next week, I'll tell you how it's going to advance through you. But before it advances through you, it's got to advance in you. Isn't that right? So let's pray. Father, I love you. I feel humbled to be here grateful that we are people of the spirit grateful that people care about uh father the opportunity to worship that uh they that they can be undignified in your presence that we don't have to measure one another's worship against one another god but we can have the freedom to worship god as we feel led and if it means to be loud as some are it's to be loud if it's to be quiet and reverent as others are it's to be quiet and reverent god but that in all things you would be glorified. My prayer today, Father, as I shift, as we say, God, as a shift or transition, I pray that preaching comes easy in this house today. Father, if my ear, Father, if by the ear I have heard the word of God, I pray now that, Father, you will give me the tongue of the learned, that I might have a word in season for he that is weary. And I pray that the people's heart, come on, let's pray this one last part. Let the people's heart be prepared to receive this word. I pray it today in faith, in Jesus' name, and all God's children said, amen and amen. Obviously, you know that God is moving by a spirit, and there's, there's pockets of revival that are being reported throughout the nation. We're going to trust that God's doing great things among us. Isn't that right? So let me go ahead and backtrack, if I can, and talk to you about the kingdom of God. I shared as I commenced this series 
that uh, it began with John, Jesus' cousin, who began his ministry preaching the word repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And those words reverberated throughout ancient Israel. For those were the words that they expected to hear in prelude to the coming Messiah. There was an arousal of faith in their heart and minds. Many repented honestly before God. Uh, John challenged his hearers with words, sharp words. He said, think not to yourself that you are sons and daughters of Abraham. He said, bring forth fruit that's worthy of repentance. Demonstrate by a changed life that you've truly repented before God. A few short months later, Jesus comes and he begins to minister the word. And as he begins, he continues in the same thought. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. We've contemplated that the kingdom of God, as we have learned over these many centuries now, is that the kingdom of God is God's rule and reign, where God's dominion is. Now, God is sovereign. He's over all. But he has, in essence, it seems, limited his dominion to a degree to our response. We come pressing into the kingdom of God. We know there will come a day when he will, again, and all things will be consumed by, be a consummation of God's glory. So it's kind of defined this way, often in theological circles. It is a present reality, and it is a future promise. It's a kingdom that's now. Jesus is seated high above all things. He's not, waited to, he's not waiting to be made king. He is king. Right? And, and yet at the same time, he is going to return. It's our belief he will return to this earth and where he will be coronated king as the kingdom is handed over to the Father. And there will be the consummation of all things. What that's going to look like, it's difficult for our finite minds to grasp. But in relation to the kingdom, we find it again mentioned a little bit farther by the Apostle Paul in Romans uh, chapter 14, he said, the kingdom of God is, and that was how I began the first sermon, the kingdom of God is, it is righteousness, it is peace, and it is joy in the Holy Spirit, right? And you can't be, you cannot be in the kingdom of God having not been made righteous. I'll get to that in a moment. Last week, I shared with you our purpose in the kingdom. Our purpose is to walk worthy of the king, right? To walk worthy of the king. Remember last week I told you that the king will put your men, servants, and maid servants to work. We'll let that go right there and we'll move on from there. Let's take a few minutes for some of you to catch that. Read it on your own, 1 Samuel chapter number 8. But today my thought is this kingdom must advance within us. Now, as I do, I want to take just a moment of time and say, Pastor Brown, what validates the doctrinal position that you take related to the kingdom of God? Two things that are monumental in the history of of the world that I want to mention just very, very quickly. I just think it's often overlooked. But the point of this I want to make reference to as I begin to, to dialogue and, and teach the teachings of Christ related to the kingdom of God, you say, Pastor, well, what validates that teaching? Number one, it's Mount Sinai. So often overlooked. Pastor Brown, how does Mount Sinai r- validate the teachings of Christ? On Mount Sinai, God audibly spoke his word to the ears of two million men and women who had gathered at the base of it, and they shook at the visible presence of God. And when Moses went up into the darkness where God was and came back down with the tablet of stone, the words that were inscribed on the stone had been penned by the finger of God. And it was the first recorded word of God, and it was consistent with exactly to the word that they had heard spoken on the mount. 
And so Moses would later write and say, after the tenor of these words, other words would be written that would be in accord with these words. So there's the first place. There's validation that the authoritative word of God, God himself came down on Mount Sinai and validated the word of God. Jesus then, in a similar situation, is being baptized in the River Jordan. When he comes up out of the water, we know that the Scripture says that the Spirit of God descends upon him. But also, there is an audible voice. There's an audible voice, the same voice that had spoken on Mount Sinai, validating the Torah, the Law of Commandments. That same voice now says, this is my beloved Son, Hear him. Those two events are tied together by that authoritative spoken word of God. So it's a validation of Jesus and his ministry. But from that validation, we know Jesus then went into the wilderness. Like Moses, who was on the mount for 40 days, Jesus goes into the wilderness for 40 days. And there he proves the word of God in his heart by overcoming satanic temptation. And when he comes out, he begins to minister the word, preaching the kingdom of God. And when the people look to him and say, wait a minute, how can you say these things? What, how can you prove the validity of your words? He said it this way. He said, if I, by the Spirit of God, cast out devils, then you know that the kingdom of God has come to you. So Jesus' miraculous ministry of healing the sick and of casting out devils was confirming the word that he was speaking to them that the kingdom of God was in the earth now. And so with that, I want you to know that as the kingdom of God came and as he's ministering the word, we have talked about this many times, that it did not quite meet the expectation of the Jews in the first century. As we've noted many times that the expectation of the Jew in the first century would be a return to the Davidic dynasty. And it actually was, just it wasn't in the manner that they were anticipating it to come. As we noted before, their expectation was that the people would revolt against Roman occupation and reestablish the borders of, Jude, uh, of, of Israel uh, during the reign of the Messiah. Jesus himself was asked many times about the kingdom of God and him alluding to it. And he spoke about it in Luke 17. Now, I've addressed this verse once before, but I want to start right here today. It's very important. I think we have to talk about it. And I've lost a little bit of monitor here, and I need that if it will help me just a little bit. If I'm louder here, I won't get as loud here. And all the people said, yeah, I thought I'd get a good amen on that one. Luke chapter number 17, let's read this here, if we could. Verse 20 and 21. And when he was demanded of the Pharisees when the kingdom of God should come. It's a fair question, correct? Especially to the culture, especially since they were ministering the word, as they were speaking about the kingdom of God. He had already told them it was here now, but they're still struggling with it. When the kingdom of God should come. When the kingdom of God should come. He answered them and said, the kingdom of God cometh not with observation. Neither shall they say, lo here, lo there, for behold, the kingdom of God is within you. It's within you. Now, I know that theologians often debate the translation of the word within, whether it simply means the kingdom of God is among you because Christ is present among you, or if it's actually to be interpreted the way it has been translated by the King James translators, 
That's where I'm going to focus. The kingdom of God is within you. So let me go ahead and say it this way to you. The rule and the reign of God does not begin out here. It doesn't begin at the state house. It doesn't begin at the White House. It begins in here. It begins in the heart. Jesus spoke often of the heart and the need for the heart to change. Let me give you an example. Jesus said, as he alluded to the heart, he said, out of the heart, the mouth is going to speak. From the abundance of the things that are within you, your mouth is going to reflect what's in your heart. Jesus reproved the Pharisees because they were, appeared outwardly. He said, Jesus said this, he said, cleanse first that which is within and then cleanse that which is without. Jesus said this again, a good man out of the treasure of the heart. Jesus said these words again. The people draw, this is reproof. He said, the people of this generation, they draw near me with their mouth, but their heart is far from me. So when the kingdom of God has not advanced into the heart, here's what Jesus said will come. Out of your heart, if the kingdom of God is not resident in your heart, out of your heart will come evil thoughts, murders, fornications, thefts, lying, all manner of evil and wickedness will originate out of the heart of man where the kingdom of God has not come. God's kingdom must first come to the heart. Jesus teaches through his parables related to the kingdom of God using the analogy of a seed sown to teach how this kingdom advances. And I want to talk about this today. I get very excited when I see this again. These are principles that I learned many years ago in my early days of discipleship, but, but, but when you go back and you study them out fresh and new. I'm going to take you to a passage, and you're going to follow a few verses. We're only going to put a few verses on the screen, but if you have your Bibles and you can kind of keep it open, it's, it's very good for you to be able to hear pages turn and not just things scrolled on the screen. But Matthew chapter number 13 is a text of Scripture where Jesus is teaching about the kingdom. It's about five parables there, five or six parables, where Jesus alludes to the kingdom of God. And the first, if we will, perhaps is the most famous of all. He teaches first what's known as the parable of the sower. And the parable of the sower is very, very unique. As a matter of fact, it's recorded by all three gospel writers, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And, and as they record these, Mark says that when Jesus gives elaboration on the parable of the sower, he actually said this. He said, if you don't know this parable, how will you know any of the parables? It's almost like he said, you have to have some measure of understanding about the parable of the sower. As a matter of fact, the parable of the sower deserves its own sermon series by itself. And, but, but for today, we're just going to look at it very quickly because verses 1 through 10 or so, he actually, verses 1 through 9, he gives the parable. He's using agricultural terms about the seed being sown. He's saying the sower goes forth to sow. He sows some seed. It falls by the wayside. Immediately the fowl of the air come, gather it up. Some, he then says, is sown on stony places. Didn't have much earth. The sun comes down upon it. It withers away. Then he said, again, he said that some is sown among thorns, and the thorns spring up and choke 
it. But then he said others sown on good ground. Later, the disciples are asking, they say, tell me about this parable. And that's where that 11th verse comes. Jesus then answers, and he says in the 11th verse, he said, because it, this is why we know that the parable of the sower is related to the kingdom of God. And I want you to know about the kingdom of God. He said, it is given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom, but to those that are outside, it's not given to them. And then as he goes down into clarification of this kingdom, look what he said in the 18th and the 19th verse. You've got to catch this, and then we're going to go to Luke, and we're going to catch how Luke is describing this. Because you've got to understand that the kingdom of God must start here. It commences here, but it must advance within you. So verse number 18 says this. This is his clarification to the teaching of the parable that he just shared. He said, hear ye therefore the parable of the sower. Now, previously, he shared the parable in a large uh, congregation, probably an open-air meeting, lots of people. He shared it, but not the people that are hearing the clarification. This belongs to those that he said that you have been specifically chosen to hear this. He said that when the parable of the sower, he said, when one heareth, read those words, what? The word of the kingdom. Just let that, we're not even going to go into how that the wicked one comes and catches it away. We're just going to pause right there and say, when one heareth the word of the kingdom. I want you to get that in your spirit, the word of the kingdom. Now we're going to turn to Luke's gospel, chapter number 8. In Luke's gospel, Jesus is again uh, this is the same passage. This is simply Luke recording the same way that Matthew recorded. It's the same story. It's the same parable. This is the clarification. Verse number 11 of Luke's gospel, Matthew said it's the word of the kingdom. Luke says the parable is this, the seed, remember the seed that the sower would sown. Matthew said it's the word of the kingdom. Here he says the seed is the word of God. So the seed is the word of God. And so the word of the kingdom is this. The word of the kingdom is as seed. The kingdom advances by the word. The word has to be sown before the kingdom it will advance. And you say, Pastor, how is the word sown? The word is sown by preaching. That's why Paul writes about this in Romans chapter number 10. And he says, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel. Because how can they believe if they have not heard? They have the capacity to believe. We'll talk about that briefly. It was mentioned on Wednesday night. Every person has the capacity to believe within their heart. But if they haven't heard, then how can the kingdom of God advance in them? And so the word must be sown. So the word of the kingdom is sown by preaching. And in doing so, Jesus here references those four types of soil. Maybe at a later date we'll get into all of those. But look at the 15th verse of Luke's writing. Because I want to take you back to my initial thought. My initial word that I spoke to you is that the kingdom of God is within you. And it must be in your heart first. But on the good ground are they which in an honest and a good heart having heard what? Having what? The word of what? The word of the king. Let's say it together. you got to catch this. On a good, in a good heart, those whose heart has been prepared beforehand, when the word of God, the word of the kingdom is sown into their heart, and they by faith believe it and receive it and keep it, it's going to bring forth fruit with patience, Jesus said. So the kingdom of God is advancing. 
Jesus used many different analogies related to the kingdom, often from differing perspectives to teach different aspects related to the kingdom. He spoke of the kingdom coming, right? He also spoke, I'll talk about this maybe uh, next week, but he said the kingdom, he said the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, right? He said, and the violent take it by force. One translation says the violent of faith advance into the kingdom of God. So listen to this, catch this with me. You and I, yes, we come in or we enter the kingdom, but the kingdom must be in you. Let me say it one more time. You come into the kingdom. You come into the kingdom by the kingdom coming into you, right? We enter the kingdom because the kingdom entered us. So when you by faith receive the word of the kingdom, let me tell you what you are. You are born again. You are born from above. One of the most powerful conversations ever recorded with a revelation unheard of in all the history of mankind was between two rabbis. One is Nicodemus, and the other is Yeshua, who is being called Messiah. And Jesus told Nicodemus, Nicodemus, you're a ruler in Israel, but you've got to be born again. Nicodemus didn't understand. He asked, thinking with a physical mindset. And he said, how can I, an aged man, re-enter my mother's womb? Jesus clarified. And he said, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, but that which is born of the spirit is spirit. And so when you have authentic faith and you receive the word of the kingdom inside of you in a good heart prepared beforehand by the Holy Spirit, then the spirit of God brings new life into you and you are born into the kingdom of God. You are translated out of darkness and translated into God's eternal kingdom. Glory to God. Man, that's a good word right there. And so you and I, within each of us, as I've told you before, you have the ability to believe. Jace clarified that for us Wednesday night. God gives us grace to believe. Right? It's only by His grace that we have the capacity to believe. And when you, with the capacity to believe, hear the word, and when you receive the word, then you are born of the word of Almighty God. And you are born of the kingdom. And so the word of faith, you know where the word of faith is? The word of faith is near you. It's in your heart and it's in your mouth. That is the word of faith which we preach, Paul said. The kingdom of God is in you first. It's first righteousness. Let me make a statement to you. You cannot be in the kingdom and not be righteous. Now, I'm going to say that again. You can't be in this kingdom and not be The righteousness of God, God has judicially declared you right standing in his eyes. Right? That you have a right, as it was noted by the prophet earlier here today, pastor, prophet, evangelist, Caleb, uh, that it was noted that when the veil was torn, that then we have access to the presence of Almighty God. But you have to understand that you have a right because you are declared righteous because by faith you believed and you received the word of the kingdom. And when the word of the kingdom came inside you, it began to work all kinds of changes on the inside of you, right? And you were dead in trespasses and sin, but now you are made alive, quickened by the power of the Holy Spirit. He sent His Spirit and joined with your spirit and declared you to be a child of the Most High God. Glory to God. 
And so with this, remember, this is a supernatural work. This is of the Spirit. The same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. You've got to get that. You've got to know what happened inside of you. We glorified, we thank God, the resurrection of Jesus, and we should. He was raised from the His lifeless body was laid upon a stone-cold slab that had been hewn out by, and purchased by Joseph of Arimathea. The tomb had been. It was given to Christ. They laid His lifeless body there. And for three days, there was no breath. There was no eyelid that was flickering. There was no muscle twitching. There was nothing. But then, on the third day, the Spirit of the living God entered into him and he got up as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And you were dead in trespasses and sin. You were held in bondage under the weight of iniquity. But when you heard the word of the kingdom and you repented of your sin, that seed got inside of you and you were born from above glory to God and you were raised again to be seated with him in heavenly places is in Christ Jesus. Glory to God. Hallelujah. That's, you say, Pastor, I can't explain it. I know. I don't either. I do my best. I do my best, but it's miraculous. Let's look at this parable. It's, well, it's a quick parable, but I want you to see it because there are sometimes you just, I, I was dead, now I'm alive. That's all I can tell you. I was a pauper, but now I'm a prince in the kingdom. Glory to God. Mark chapter number four, again, in the same context, of teaching related to the kingdom of God. Here in Mark chapter 4, verses 26 through 29. I'm actually going to find it here on my Bible so I can look down instead of up. You read it with me just real quickly. So is the kingdom of God as if a man should cast seed on the ground. I know that some of these parables can have a greater connotation. They can be speaking about the kingdom as a whole. But I want you to look at it with a very narrow lens. And I want you to see it as to not as a whole, but I want to see it within you. He looks at it, he says, if a man should cast seed into the ground and should sleep and rise night and day and the seed should spring up and grow, he knoweth not how. He knoweth not how. He said, but then it says, but, but it says the earth will bring forth its fruit, then the blade, the ear, and after that the full corn in the ear. I don't know how that change has worked. I just know it works. Right? It's a supernatural work of the Holy Spirit. The good seed sown in good ground is going to produce good fruit, right? The good seed sown in good ground will produce good fruit. The kingdom of God has advanced within you when you, by faith, have received the word in your heart. And you believed. The kingdom has advanced. When you heard the word, wherever you were, when you heard the word, you know, my brief testimony won't go to, I was, a, I was eight years old. It was the children's church service at Landmark Baptist Church in 1976 in Batesville, Arkansas, when the children's church leader said, if anyone, any of you children would like to be saved, I raised my hand. He took me into a back room. That alone's a little scary, just to be honest, in today's time, and where I sat on a wooden school desk where people had scribed and written and, and, and chiseled things out like kids have done for, for uh, centuries now, I guess, since we've had school in that context. And he turned the Bible to Romans chapter number 10, and he said, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, then you shall be saved. 
And when that eight-year-old heart within my chest, which heart in that moment would be my, could be soul, spirit, we won't get into all of that. When my, when my ability to, re- to receive the word opened up and I said, Lord, I believe that Jesus died for me and I confess my sin, then the kingdom advanced, right? Because I was born into the kingdom of God. And so were you, wherever you were, you, when you received the word in your heart, then the kingdom advanced. And, that, and you know what? Nothing's changed. Nothing's, that's how the kingdom advances to this day, right? It doesn't advance through good church. It doesn't advance through programs. or uh, any, It advances when a heart responds to the word of the kingdom. But here is where I'm going to transition this message and make it very personal here today. The kingdom must continue to advance in you. It's got to advance from your heart to your head. Mm, I feel Jesus. Somebody bring me an offering plate. Listen, before, if you're going to walk worthy of the king, if you're going to bear fruit, if God's rule and reign is going to be over you, it's got to go from your heart to your head. It's got to be in your heart and your mind. God's rule and reign can't just be in your heart. It's got to be over your thoughts, your thinking, the thing, that part of you that shapes your behavior, right? My spirit was born again. My flesh did not get the memo, right? And so there's a battle inside of me, and often the mind or the soul, the, which is the mind, the will, and the emotions, is often the battleground. There's a lot of teaching about this in the last 30 years in the body of Christ, but in the mind, I must determine that God's kingdom is going to extend its rule over my fleshly appetites. God's will is for me to sin no longer. Can I just go and tell you? The will of God is, here you say, Pastor, share with me the will of God. The will of God is for sin not to have dominion over you. The will of God it's for you to yield the instruments, right, your physical person, if you will, that you used to yield to sinful, lustly uh, 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 appetites. Now you yield them as instruments unto God, right? You bring that subject, that area of your life. He's now, because you in your heart and mind determine that, that, that your fleshly appetite is not going to dictate who you are, you're bringing it subject to the king. In order to do so, your mind has to be renewed. Your thinking must change. Hmm. Many people receive the word into their heart, but never truly receive the word in their heart of the mind, in their mind, their thoughts, and their imaginations. And therefore, many learned patterns, sinful patterns of life, continue. Let me tell you a little bit about the kingdom again. You can't live like you used to live once you come into his kingdom, right? Because now you're in his kingdom. The king has the sovereign right to expect change in your life, right? The kingdom is in you, and it must continue to advance in you. I want you to pray this prayer with me very quickly. Thy kingdom comes to hallowed Father, heavenly Father, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth 
as it is in heaven. Pause. Now, when you pray that, thy will be done in earth and heaven, are you talk, as it is in heaven, are you talking about in the government? Are you talking about in Russia and Ukraine? Are you talking about in America or China? Or can you say, if you can understand, that when you're praying this, you're saying, Father, let thy kingdom come. Let thy will be done in this earth right here. Let thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. So Paul's teaching about strongholds in 2 Corinthians 10 that I'm gonna, we've got to glean over very quickly today seems to imply that the warfare, the initial warfare for the believer is to learn to pull down the strongholds and the imaginations that have been in their mind. So let's look at this. 2 Corinthians 10, there's four verses. I'll allude to this. We're all in the context of the kingdom. For though we walk, verse number 3, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war in the flesh. Right? We don't war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Paul's right there. And typically when you first think of strongholds, we think of demonic strongholds. And we think of intercession. And we think of binding and loosing and praying against principalities and powers that are in heavenly places. And that's a part of spiritual warfare. But it seems as if this initial reference to warfare here that Paul is alluding to is not necessarily strongholds out here, but strongholds that have been established in here. Because let's read farther. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. You want to walk in victory. You want to have true revival. Let me tell you, true revival will happen when you see the kingdom advance out of your heart and into your head. And when strongholds and imaginations and thoughts that you used to think on and ponder of evil and wickedness that led to carnality and the practices of your fleshly appetite, when you begin to pull those down in the name of Jesus and you begin to thinking on that which is good, that which is just, that which is holy, that which is pure. And if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, Paul writes, Philippians 4, think on those things. You'll begin to see true revival take place in your heart and mind. Romans 12 and 2, we've alluded to it recently multiple times. It says, do not be transformed. Come on, y'all know it under your breath, many of you. But be ye transformed by the renewing of your Mind by the renewing of your mind. Colossians 3 and 10 says, Put on the new man which is renewed in knowledge. The kingdom cannot just simply advance to your heart, it must advance to your head for you to be walking in a way that's pleasing to the king. Let me give an example and then I'm going to close with a little barrage and we'll ask you to journey with me here. There's an interesting moment in the, in the life of Daniel, early into his life and calling. And if we'll spin this and look at it a little bit differently. So when you first think about Daniel, you think about Daniel in the lion's den. You think about his prophetic uh, visions and images. But we often overlook that, that Daniel was brought to Babylon uh, by, uh, as a result of war. And he was taken captive away from his family. And let me just say real quickly, he's a young man, a teenager, probably no more than 14 or 15 years of age. 
And the scripture says that the Chaldeans, Nebuchadnezzar, that they chose out, and this is going back in the like 580s to 600 BC before Christ, somewhere in that time period, they chose out this a group of young men that were taken captive out of Jerusalem and brought back to, the, uh, back to Babylon to Nebuchadnezzar's uh, palace and to his kingdom, and that they would be chosen to actually kind of function in the, in the administration of the, of the, of the, uh, the Babylon uh, kingdom is so, probably some way in mediating between them and the Jewish community. And here's what it says. They chose these men out, these young men. Listen to this. They had the ability to stand in the king's palace whom they might teach the learning and the tongue of the Chaldeans. So let me spin that for you real quickly. You've got to learn the language of the kingdom that you're now in. You used to know the language. You function in the language. We know all about our slang, our carnal language, how we talk, unbelief, hurtful words. But you can't function and live that way in this kingdom. You can't think or act or talk the way that you used to because God chose you out of that kingdom of darkness and put you into the kingdom of His dear Son. And so you've got to go through an entire process of reprogramming. You've got to get rid of pulling down the things where strongholds in a man and quit making excuses. I get tired of the excuse. Well, I was born this way, or my mama was this way, and so I'm going to just be this way. I got red hair because I got no. It doesn't matter. No, you are covered by the red blood of Jesus Christ, and so therefore live a life that's pleasing to Him. Let's stop making excuses. No excuses. God expects change within His, within the people of His kingdom, and I hope that you think that I'm not preaching in anger. I preach because I get excited. I want to see you changed. I want to see you walking in the blessing of God. Because if you're walking in the blessing of God, you're sharing the word of the kingdom wherever you go. Right? So let me go ahead and close with something I have done previously. It's in the book of Ephesians. I've done this previously. I want to do it before. I'll probably do it multiple more times before I fold up my preaching uh, tenure, whenever that will be. It's just because it's so alive to me. But I want you to look at it this way. We're going to glean... Several verses in the book of Ephesians over three different chapters, just gleaning quickly. But I want you to read them with this notion in mind. Advancing the kingdom in our heart and then into our mind. And then see where it goes. Because God's kingdom has to advance within you. Is that right? Come on, are y'all out there? I'm closing. This is it. There is no moth. Right? This is no moss right here coming to the end after this. Right, let's read it with me. We're going to read verse 13 first, chapter number 1. Let's just, but as you read it, read it, read it in the context of the kingdom. Paul writes, in whom you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the word of the kingdom. Come, are y'all with me out there? Read it that way. It's the word of truth. It's the word of the kingdom, isn't it? It brought to you the gospel which produced your salvation. In whom also, after you believed... When you believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Isn't that, isn't that what I preached to you just a few minutes ago? I said, when you believed, God breathed upon you and you were born by the Spirit. I'm preaching what Paul preached, correct? Right? It says, by the Holy Spirit. So then, because you received the word, the apostle said, I want to pray for you. And so, because you received the word, he said, I want to pray for you. So this is the Apostles' Prayer. Three verses, let's read them. The God of our Lord Jesus Christ, who is the Father of glory, look what he's going to do. 
He's going to give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in what? In the knowledge of Him. Your mind has to be renewed by the knowledge of Him. Amen? The eyes of your understanding will become enlightened. And you will soon learn or know what is the hope of His calling. And you'll begin to learn how He's called you and what He's called you for and what your purpose is within the kingdom and the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of His power to usward who believe. So in the context of the kingdom of God, here Paul says, he said, you have received the word of truth. It's produced change in you. I'm going to pray for you that God will open your eyes, the eyes of your understanding so that you can know You begin to know him in a greater depth, correct? Let's turn to the second chapter. Let's read it. Let's keep it in the context of the kingdom. At that time, now he's talking about before you came into the kingdom. He's alluding to the difference between Jew and Gentile. Let's pick it up here. At that time, you were without Christ. Before you were brought into the kingdom, you were without Christ. You were an alien from the commonwealth of Israel. You were a stranger from the covenant of promise. You had no rights because you weren't in the kingdom of God. You were without God in the world. You were without God. You weren't in his kingdom. Did you know there's really only two, there's two kingdoms. There's a kingdom of darkness and a kingdom of light. Just like there's only two types of people, right? And I'm not even talking about the male and female argument. I'm talking about saved and unsaved, right? Children of God are children of the devil, right? That's all there is. And in this context, he said you were without God and you had no hope because you were in a kingdom of darkness. But verse 13, I didn't give them this. In Christ Jesus, you were far off. Now you're brought near. We drop down again to the 19th verse. But once you're in the kingdom, look at this. You're no longer a stranger. Now, you got to, let me pause. I don't know if you're going there with me. You got to think about this in the context of the kingdom for this passage to work for us today. So you you were previously not in the kingdom, but now you're in the kingdom. And so now that you're in a kingdom, you're a fellow citizen. I don't know about you, but I've got rights in this kingdom, right? I've been made righteous in the kingdom of God. God's put expectations upon me. There's uh, certain authorities. There's certain things that he's done inside me of how to live and function within the kingdom of God. So let's read that again. Verse 19, you are no longer a stranger and foreigner, but you are a fellow citizen with the saints, and you are a part of the kingdom of God. Right? You're a part of the kingdom of God. So then, to close, perhaps my most famous or my my most uh, favorite passage of Scripture is Ephesians chapter number 4. Verse number 17, this is what we close with today. This I say, therefore, so I'm speaking to you. Last week I closed with Mephibosheth, and I showed you last week that Mephibosheth was lame in both his feet. But because he had been chosen by the king to sit at the king's table, he could walk worthy. And I want you to know you can walk worthy of the king. Right, you can walk worthy If the kingdom advances from your heart to your head, you'll walk worthy. If all it does is abide right here, then you're going to live a carnal life. I'm going to say it again. If the kingdom of God only abides right here, you might be saved, but you'll many times still live a carnal life. And the kingdom will not advance through you. It will only advance through you if it advances in you. And so in this context, the 17th verse Again, it's using Jew and Gentile, but we're looking at it through the kingdom of God. He said that those that are in the kingdom of darkness, he said they're walking in the vanity of their mind. You can't walk in the vanity of your mind any longer. Your mind's got to be renewed. Let's go down. This is how they were. were, Their understanding was darkened. 
It was alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that's in them because of the blindness of their heart. In past feeling, they gave themselves over to lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. But listen to this. We're closing. This is it. At the end of this chapter, there is no more today, but I want you to see it in context of the kingdom. But you have not so learned Christ. You didn't learn that in Christ because when Christ came to you and the kingdom of God comes in here, it advances to your head, which produces change in your behavior. You have not so learned Christ. Look what he said. If you have heard him and you've been taught by him, how many know the truth in Jesus? Right, you got to be taught by him. That's why Paul prayed. He said, Father, he said, I pray you give them the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you, that the eyes of their understanding would be enlightened and they would know the hope of their calling and the riches of the glorious inheritance that I have in Christ Jesus. You've heard me talk about this. I'm not saying follow me as an example. There's other passages Paul said point to him, but many years ago I chose, I didn't go to Bible school. I, for whatever reason, I chose not to. I was in the military, but when I was 17 years of age, I found Ephesians 1, 17, and I I begin to pray it privately, and I begin to say, Father, I pray that you open the eyes of my understanding, that, Father God, that you would give my, me understanding to the Word, that I would have the knowledge of God, the revealed, and I want you to know, if your heart is right, and you're praying that before God, then God will see that kingdom, God will allow that kingdom to advance from your heart to your head, and you'll begin to learn of Him, because the truth's in Jesus, Right? And he said, and when that happens, you know what it becomes? When that, when that goes from your heart to your head, guess what you begin to do? You begin to put off. You begin to put off the old man. Right? That old you, the conversation, which means the lifestyle of the old man, it's corrupt according to the deceitful lust. You make no more excuses because you're being renewed, here it is, in the spirit of your mind. And then, look at this, we're closing, you put on the new man. Which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. It's got real quiet in here. It's going to get real personal to end this though. You're in the kingdom of God. You want to walk worthy of the king. Then the kingdom of God must advance from your heart to your head. You must begin to pray and meditate and think on the word of the living God. You must begin to hear. You must become slow to speak and swift to hear. You must think and ponder and pray over the word. Asking God to give you divine revelation. You look into the perfect law of liberty and you continue therein. You hide the word in your heart that you will not sin against God. You begin to praise God. God, you have exalted your word even above your name. How will a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to the word of Almighty God. You muse and meditate upon it, hiding it in the heart. Lord God, write this word on the fleshly tablet of my heart that I might think. If I'm going to think on that which is good and just and pure, then I have to flush out that which is ungodly, immoral, unholy, that's carnal, and I have to put in, come on somebody, I have to put in that which is just and good and holy so I can think and ponder and meditate upon it. And when that begins to happen, look what happens. It becomes a fruit of the work of the kingdom advancing within you. Then suddenly you begin to stop lying. I'm going to say it one. Then you, stop, you start speaking the truth. Right? Change begins to be worked inside you. You say, Pastor Brown, I always struggle with anger. Well, then you need to mortify that anger. No more excuses. 
You can't walk home and be all agitated like Buford Pusser and put everybody in your family at home in fear. No, be angry and don't sin. Don't let the sun go down upon your wrath, he writes. Deal with it in prayer. He said, if you used to steal, steal no more. No excuses, right? Rather, labor. Remember, the king will, never mind. And so the, he will labor that which is good. He will give to him that is in need. Let no corrupt. Look at this. I, you've got to get, because next week we're going to talk about the power of the tongue. This is a prelude to it. The kingdom advances through you by the power of the spoken word. So how about you take control over your words, right? Your coarse jesting he addressed later in the text. How about we begin to speak life? No corrupt communication out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that you might advance the kingdom of God in others by speaking the word of faith. But it won't happen, it won't happen, it won't advance through you if it doesn't advance in you, right? And I know it's real quiet in here, maybe it's quiet because you're learning, Right? Because I'm telling you, there's no excuses in God's kingdom. God wants to have a kingdom of men and women that are conformed to the image of his dear son. The last four verses of Scripture, three verses of Scripture. Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. But let all bitterness, look at this. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you. With all malice, be ye kind one to another. Be ye kind one to another. You want to know what God's will is for you? Be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. I'll tell you, the kingdom of God advances when it goes to your heart and you receive it as the word of the kingdom. But then it must advance in you. It must go from your heart to your thinking because from the process and the power of thinking, it will change your behavior. You'll learn to be like Christ. You'll follow. You'll be conformable to the will of God. I hesitate to say anything like this, but I'm going to in closing today. As I welcome Daryl, if he doesn't mind, to join me on the platform today here. Um, there is a lot being said about revival right now, isn't there? You know, we live in a generation with a, a Facebook and media, social media and such, as everyone knows. And so it's easy for us to, to see and post and copy and paste and things of that nature. And um, I have to be very careful because I don't want to be cynical and I don't want to be, I don't want to be Michael. Who are you talking about, Michael? I'm talking about the first wife of David, who when David was worshiping, as Alicia, Alyssa alluded to earlier, unashamed, she judged the king for his worship. And I don't want to be that person. But I will give my cautionary to you. My message on revival has always been this. It's not a revival till. It's not a revival till it goes from the heart to the head to the changed life. I'm just being honest with you. Because it's easy for us to get caught up in a what we would call a sovereign move of God and the work of the Holy Spirit. But let me tell you, if it doesn't change your character and your behavior, so everybody today is talking about Asbury. So I, had a, I didn't have the best experience many years ago when I went to what was called the Brownsville Revival. Many of you know there, many of you were there. And this is why I didn't have the best experience. So I went two times. 
So, Pastor, how does this have anything to do with your message? It does. It does, because I still believe that I'm not going to become Michael. I'm not going to be that. I'm not going to judge somebody, but I am going to say, just like John the Baptist, when he preached to the generation that heard him, he said, bring forth fruit worthy of repentance. It won't be revival just because it happened at the altar. It will be revival when it's changed your behavior when you go back home. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So I went the two times. I went first with um, another minister many years ago in the mid-90s when I was pastoring at Shirley. And I went there and, uh, and, and you know, was moved by the services. But I didn't shake, quake, or fall or anything like that. I just, I was, I, it was exciting to see God move by His Holy Spirit. And so I went back again a little bit later with the other couple from the church, Sherry and I did. And uh, we went the first night. And then we went the second night, which was on a Friday night, which is the biggest night. Well, we decided we were, if we're going to be there for this revival, if we're going to be there for this revival, I said, we got to be there early. So we were there like at dawn. There's about 30 or 40 people is all that was. And we were just like, y'all, how many see in the crowds of these churches and they're gathering there? And you see people standing in line gathering. And we were just like that. So we were there. And so, and then people would come throughout the course of the day and, uh, and then they would be added to the line and added to the line, and then there were people that began to worship, and part of it was exciting because it was similar to what I picture what David, when David said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord, because I don't believe David waited to the house of the Lord to get his praise on, and so people were beginning to worshiping outside, and that was exciting, but then something grieved me, and it still grieves me to this day. I, I watched busload after busload of sanctified Christians be brought into the front and get off the bus and look down at the far end of the line where those of us that had been there since 8 a.m. got pushed back and pushed back and pushed back and pushed back because they had to have revival. And by the time that we that started out at 8 or 6 a.m. in the morning could get to the door, there wasn't a seat left. And in my heart, I will always remember that because Paul said, be considerate of one another and prefer one another. And I want you to know it's not revival because we're dancing. It's revival because the kingdom advances in our heart and it changes the way I think, the way I talk, the way I act, the way I treat other people. That's when you'll see true revival, glory to God. The kingdom of God must advance. So please, please don't think Pastor Brown's being critical. What I'm just saying is, you've got to see it grow. It's got to grow. Let me see. It's got, is that right, Dr. Brassley? It's got to grow. The kingdom must advance from in here to here, and it will change your life. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. The word of the kingdom. The word of the kingdom. Thank God for this word. It changes our lives. Isn't that right? I thank God for this word today. In that passage in Paul writes in Ephesians, he said, you can't live like you used to live in the vanity of your mind because you're not in that kingdom any longer. You're in the kingdom of God's dear son, so you put away speaking evil words. You put away the way you used to treat people. You think on that which is good and just and pure and holy. You keep your mind renewed, and then you walk in the spirit. That's revival, right? That's the extension of the revival. The reason why I'm not critical, I'm not critical because it has to start somewhere. It has to start in the heart. 
So if the revival started Asbury or other churches, and it starts in the heart to God be the glory, but God will truly be glorified when it extends and grows in you because then it can advance through you. It's quiet in here today, but I'm, hey, I've always been guilty of telling the truth, and I'm going to keep doing it. The kingdom of God in here must advance in here. For you to truly be transformed, you must think on that which is good and just and pure and holy and right. You've got to meditate upon the word of God and think about it and ponder it. There's life in the word, right? There's life in the truths in Jesus, Paul said. Jesus is synonymous with the word. You want Jesus to speak to you, then let his word hide it in your heart. And he will, he will speak to you. It'll be real to you by the power of his Holy Spirit. Our heads bowed, our eyes closed. Father, I'm grateful. Church family, would y'all pray a prayer with me very quickly? It's a simple prayer before I give a couple of invitations. It's a simple prayer that just simply is in harmony, if you will, with something of this nature. God, I'm grateful for the kingdom. I think that's fair. I think all of us can pray that. Father, I'm thankful for the kingdom. I'm thankful that the kingdom has come into my heart, that I'm grateful for the life and the change and the work of the Holy Spirit. Are you out there today? We put, can anybody pray that prayer with me right now? That's just a, a pause and a moment to say, I thank God that I'm in the kingdom of God and the kingdom of God is in me. Jesus said, the kingdom of God cometh not with observation, but the kingdom of God is within you. It's within you. It's right there. It's response. It's your response to the sovereign rule and reign of God as he comes to your heart. Father, I'm grateful for it today. As our heads are bowed, I want to give someone an invitation, an opportunity. There may be somebody here under the sound of my voice with all my excitement and all my shouting. Hopefully, I didn't, I, I didn't discourage you from the kingdom. If you're here today, you say, Pastor, I may not want to act just like you, but I want to be in the kingdom, and I want the kingdom in me. I need to receive that word today that you're talking about, that word of faith. The same thing that happened to you, Pastor, when you were eight years old. Pastor, would you pray a prayer like that with me, that I could be saved, that I could be brought into the kingdom? If that's you, slip your hand up today. There any under the sound of my voice today? It could be a young person, just like I was. I was eight years eight of age. That could be you. It's very quiet. Is there anyone? Christians, are y'all praying with me today? We're praying. Secondly, secondly, today, we're gonna pray a group prayer today to close this message. Who here? You say, Pastor, I, I identify with what you preach. The kingdom's in me, but I need to see it continue advance in me. In my head, my heart, my thoughts, my imaginations. Pray with me, Pastor, that I'll be more diligent to study and to read and to meditate and to hide his word in my heart. That I won't sin against the Lord. That I'll be like the, the parable. Where I don't know how it works. I just know that I go to bed, rise up day and night, and it changes me. Changes me. Pastor, that's me. Pray with me today. I ought to see every hand up today, just to be honest. It's a, it's a, it's a simple response. All of us should be praying this prayer. Would you all stand up with me today to close this message? It's 1156. What a dynamic time of being in the Lord's house today. Come on, somebody. Amen.
from worship, from fellowship, from the multiple prophetic utterances to the testimony that was given. I'm telling you, uh, revival don't have to be in Asbury alone, does it? It can be right here in First Assembly, Heber Springs. Matter of fact, we've been talking about it for several weeks, and we believe that we are in early stages of revival. We, we believe. We believe that. We believe it's going to continue. The Spirit of God is going to continue to move among us. But I'm telling you, church family, for it to be true revival, and that's not, the subject, that's not my subject matter today, but the kingdom has got to advance from here to here. Right? It's got to change your entire thinking process. This is not one of those sermons about, you know, um, uh, getting rid of negative thinking and all that stuff that's, that's almost like a, uh, what's the right word here that I'll be looking at? It's, it's almost like a secular message. No, this is about the spirit of your mind, right? This is about that part of you that says, you know what, I can't live the way I used to live. I've got to live differently that I might please the king. So I'm going to be like Daniel. Daniel was a young boy, and they taught him the language and the culture of the kingdom. You've got to learn the language and the culture of the kingdom, right? You've got to. That's what we're going to pray in closing. Father, I love you. I'm so grateful today to be a part of your kingdom. I'm so thankful to be amongst men and women who are zealous after you. They are so zealous after you, oh God. And you are doing a powerful work, oh God, in Jesus' name. I pray, Lord, today, God, that your spirit, God, reveals the word of God to us. I pray for every person, Father, many that raised their hand, that said, God, I want the kingdom to advance within me. I want it to, I want it to grow inside of me like the seed that's sown. I received it in my heart, but I want it to bring forth 30-fold. Come on, someone, pray with me. 60-fold. I want it to bring forth a hundredfold return. I want it to produce a revolutionary change in me and then change through me, God. Advance through me the kingdom of God. But Father, I know it commences, God, in my heart, but it advances into my head or my thinking, into my mind, to my soul, if you will. And I pray, Father, for the people. Put a new hunger for your word in us. Who will pray that? I've been praying that on a personal basis. I've been praying, God, I pray, Lord, that, that I, I feel like I've been thorny ground here lately. The cares of this world, the lust of other things entering in, the pleasures of this life chokes the word, and you become unfruitful. I've been praying, God, I want to pluck up things that you didn't plant so that I might have good ground that the seed might grow in my heart and my life, Lord, in Jesus' name. So, Father, I pray with and for the people today. Let the kingdom come. Let it advance. Let it grow in their heart and let it advance into their heart and mind, Lord, that they might be all that you have called them to be. I love you and I'm thankful in Jesus' name. And all God's children said amen and amen. So as I let you out of here today, I want you to continue to grow in the kingdom and the kingdom grow in you and advance in your heart to your head. Amen. I want all the men to come back tonight at 5 o'clock with an appetite, Jay says. So eat turkey sandwich after lunch today like I am because you got to save some room. And the rest, JoJo's in the foyer, and he spoke to you about uh, some additional information. If you could go by there and see him, I know he'd really appreciate it. God